From Boulder, Colorado, it's Race Across America Radio. I'm George Thomas here with Executive Race Director Rick Bothling. Rick, I know we're kind of hounding on what goes on in Oceanside a lot, but it's so important. It is. You know, Oceanside's a busy, busy time when everyone is coming in. They're all, again, really excited to be there. They're a little anxious. And we want to take all those edges off as much as we can for everybody. So preparation is really key when you get there. And let's kind of, first impressions are huge. We talked a little bit about that last time where you're making your first impression with officials when you're getting your vehicle inspected, but you're really making your first impressions with the race as a whole when you go in to check in and you don't have your gear book and you don't have everything ready. And <laughs> Yeah, there, you know, there's no question about that. I mean, all those things are... Like anybody, when you meet someone for the first time, that first impression is generally a lasting one, and it's a hard one to ditch. And everybody kind of carries those impressions with them over time. And so we're, you know, we're busy during check-in, and we love it, and it's fun. We, there's nothing more. I mean, we work all year for this race to have this interaction with everybody from around the world. And so when – but we have 340, 330 racers coming in. Um, plus all their crew. So we have over a thousand racers and crew plus our officials that we have to kind of get through a process. And the smoother that process goes, the happier we all are. <laughs> and the happier the other racers are who are waiting behind disorganized team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's totally true. I mean, you, you, the one thing is, is one, we do it for our benefit, without a doubt, because the more we streamline it, the easier it is for us. But we've set up all these things so that it's easier for the racers to get on with their merry way and preparation so they're not stressing over checking in and getting these things done. So get there early. Have all your documentation ready to go. When you go up to talk to the officials, have your stuff ready. It will make your life so easy. You can be in and out of that whole process, check-in to inspections. You can do it really fast and really efficiently. And, you know, I was inefficient because I just jumped ahead to Oceanside, but I'll bet you there are a lot of bios that have not been submitted online yet. Tons of them. <laughs> and, you know, we don't make bios mandatory, and but... What I don't want to hear is when you, you say, well, why didn't you guys talk about us? Why didn't you write a story about us? And I, the first thing I go do is check a bio. And if there's nothing there, sorry, I don't have anything to tell your story. I don't know all the racers. I know a lot of them. It's really easy because I know you, George. You happen to also be my neighbor that I can tell our writers and our photographers your story, even without a bio. But when I don't know you, I have nothing to base that on, and that's what they need to tell their story out to the public. And even if it's not a personal thing and it's just about a charity that you're raising money for, if you want to promote that, you got to tell us that. And it's not cool of me to take friendship or anything as and uh, closeness and proximity as, a, as an advantage because that still puts more work on you if I don't turn my bio in. So people that are your friends and know you still need to get those bios in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, George. <laughs> but, you know, again, and it's, again, partially for us because covering the race and telling our racers' stories is how we 
keep generating the mystique and the interest of the race, and we keep pushing that out there. But we hope in turn that we're doing a service for you in telling your story. So even if it's, hey, we, George, we're going to write about you. What do you do? Well, I do over-the-top podcasting. Well, if I can go tell that to the whole RAM audience, hopefully I can increase your listenership. Or if someone's out raising money for a charity, I'd like to be able to tell that story. And hopefully what that does is reflect in some fundraised or awareness for that charity. And, you know, what we would like to do selfishly here is I want to tell people's stories through RAM radio. So, yeah, we want to know that information because I'd like to have you on as a guest. Yeah, and and one of the things that makes, and and that's how I can direct guests to you as well. And so one of the things that makes RAM a really spectacular event is it is an amateur event. It's not the Tour de France. Anybody can race this thing. I mean, you got to be a relatively good athlete and fit cyclist to go do it. But it allows a platform for a lot of people to go tell a really big story out to the public. And we've worked really hard on building that for people. And we, and we want to share that story of, you know, you're never going to race the Tour de France. That's a reality. And, you know, we can give you a platform that can tell that story that, that is really incredible. And it definitely is. Now, I don't want to be negative with any of this, but it's just so important that people show up organized, uh, not just for race organizations such as yourself, but uh, for them themselves. Uh, really? Yeah. I mean, if you I mean, again, we understand Ram is a complicated event. Raw is a complicated event. There's documentation, there's root books and there's all these things you have to do. But people quite often make it more difficult than they have to by overthinking it. And, you know, by not being prepared, reading things like the gearbook and the rules ahead of time, you know, scheduling, getting that done, you know, coming in, everything ready to go, getting your vehicle signage, putting it on your car. Don't wait to the last minute. It really just alleviates racer stress because the bottom line, we're starting the race anyway. And if you're not ready... You're waiting until everyone's gone. And again, I, we talked about this last time, but I just think it's so important to stress vehicle inspection, showing up prepared, having everything ready to go, not getting your vehicle ready when the officials come up to inspect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The officials are, and they're the people they interact with. The racers will interact with most on the road is our officials. And when our officials see oh, hey, this team showed up and their car was decked out perfect. Their bikes were great. Everything was top notch. We had them in and out of an inspection in 10 minutes. They're going to drive by you on the road unless you're doing something grossly unsafe and go, yeah, these guys had their stuff together and and that's good. I think we can kind of trust them out there. Um, Whereas if you show up as a total train wreck, they're going to watch you extra close. And that's just human nature. So where else is organization important? I've got all of my gear. I've got everything put together, go through inspection, then what? Well, so once you're through that and you kind of do overlapping things anyway, because sometimes your scheduling is not perfectly right in order and you got to go run errands, you have to go buy food, you know, having a good plan when you get there for your vehicle setup, who's eating what, where things go, where your clothing goes, where the racer's clothing goes. All those things take a lot of stress off the racer and the crew over time. Um, and, and just having that stuff dialed in, a good shopping list when you go to Walmart or wherever you're going to go to buy things, 
it instead of running around like Keystone cops, you have it all together. You can go great. Instead of taking an hour and a half, that took 45 minutes. And those times are precious. And your riders, I can't emphasize it enough, should not be doing these things. The riders should be out riding their bike, sitting by the pool, putting their feet in the air, and the crew should be working their tails off. I'm glad you brought that up because as a racer, it can be exhausting to feel the stress of that your crew might be under because it definitely translates. Yeah, and, and you know, again, you're, you're not going to distance yourself from all of it. You're going to be in some of these things, but really your crew's job is to be your babysitter as a racer, and the racer should just kind of be relaxing and not overstressing because the, the more they worry about other things, the less they're focusing on the race and letting their body do what it needs to do. And the race is taxing itself enough on your body. You know, don't, don't add bonus stress to it for no reason. Let's kind of talk about racer and crew interaction. I think as a crew, you are out there to work and it's almost not appreciated if the riders are not allowing you to do their job. Well, I don't let anybody else touch my bike. Well, in Ram, you should. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's really a funny thing, you know, you know, the, the, just the general personality types of people who race events like Ram, they want a lot of control over stuff and they, they run businesses, they, whatever their bosses, they want to have that control over their life. They probably baby their bike. They're really cautious about everything. You know, you have to let some of that go. If you don't, you're, you're just going to put yourself in a knot. And really that's what the crew is there for. And they should, the crew should really worry about everything. You know, I've seen racers putting signage on their cars. Don't do that. Don't just don't do that. That's what your crew is there for. Um, You know, when my dad raced, he is one of the worst in that way. He's like, I want to help. I want to do this. I want to do that. And we're like, there's the bed. Go lay down, relax, go for a walk. You want your bike? Go for a ride. We'll fix everything. And he, you know what? The the greatest thing is, is he let us do our job. As much as he's a president CEO and has been one for a very long time, he just kind of deferred most of everything to us. And really the most he asked is, where am I going and what time do I have to be there? And occasionally he'd ask for food. That's a good thing. Yeah. And, and that's really how it should be. And it, there's, I, I don't know if it's a feeling of imposing on others or what. I mean, they're out there to work. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of that because, you know, again, most people also don't want to ask others, their friends, whatever, family to commit time and take time away from their other things to help you. But they're there for you. That is the reason they are there. You know, there's a little bit on the flip side of that, too. Crew, you cannot be jerks either. You are there for the racer. Um, and sometimes you have to, particularly for the solos, you have to do maybe a little bit more thinking for them, uh, especially as the race progresses, but you're there to be the racers help. You are there to make sure everything works for them. Yelling at your racer doesn't get you anywhere. Your racer may yell at you. That's not a good thing, but sometimes you just go, okay, let's just get on with it and, and move to the next step, but keep the racer moving. It works both ways. Can a racer ask for too much? And one thing comes to mind, which is a racer I know of who used to have his crew apply a chamois cream. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. It yeah. wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can tell you, someone posted on our Ram Ultra Cycling Forum on website, on, on Facebook, about, you know, wanting a Starbucks coffee or something. You know, that's great if you're in Oceanside. Probably pretty easy to do. The problem is if you're good portions of this route are kind of in the middle of nowhere. Walsh, Colorado, Kim, Colorado, your crew should not be expected, nor should they drive a hundred miles to get you a coffee, getting you or a Starbucks coffee. And that gets asked. Yeah. And I think that's totally unacceptable. Um, You know, but to each their own, I think that the racer also has to understand that the crew is working very hard to get them where they're going there's a little bit of conciliatory action on both parts. You know, sorry, crew, you're not going to be eating your vegan delight all the way across the race. It's really hard to do that. On the flip side, you know, racer, you have to understand just because you want a special tuna salad sandwich, you may not get it, but they'll do their best. That's I've never, I won't say I've never seen it, but most of the crews do their best to get you whatever you want. Crew activity during the race. One of the things that makes me cringe is seeing a race vehicle show up with a cruise bicycle on the roof. Because, you know, I want to do a little riding while this is going on. Yeah, and I get asked that a fair amount. And my opinion on it is if you have time to ride, you're not working hard enough. And that's just my opinion. I, I think it's foolish that you, that you have time to do that. If you really think you can, fine. My opinion, poor decision, and it is going to result in something not going right somewhere along the way. Let's talk about uh, organization some more. How do you keep it together as the race goes on? Uh, you might be really well organized at the start, but... Have you seen teams really fall apart, not just the rider, but crews as the race progresses? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, and we, we try to impress this upon people when we do our seminars is you go through a life cycle in Ram and the first couple days, you're really excited. You're really energetic. You, you know, everything's going on. That's when the most penalties happen, but it's also when everyone's all excited Eh, about 48 hours in, that kind of tapers off and, and people get a little testy because they're starting to miss out on sleep. And, you know, the big thing is, is to understand we kind of had a rule when we crewed and, and my brother-in-law and I were kind of co-crew chiefs when we did it. And we told our crew, said, look, we have one objective. That is to get Fred to the finish line. I don't care whether you love me or hate me along the course, we get him to the finish line, I'll stand there and you can punch me. I don't, you know, that, that we made it clear that there was one objective and it's not always that smooth. And, but you kind of have to understand that those things are going to happen. And as far as just general organization, we can't emphasize enough. If you take it out, put it back where it came from, because otherwise your vehicles are going to look like a hurricane hit them and it's not pretty. (laughs) Get Fred to the finish line. You guys had a goal. How many teams do you see show up that people on the team don't have the same goal? You know, it's hard for me to actually say that whether they do or don't have the same goal. I think 
we we try to make that very clear again when we do our seminars is make sure you're all on the same page and that page can be setting a record it can be getting to the finish line it can be raising money it can be whatever it is but if you aren't all on the same page you're probably going to suffer some strife along the way and i think that causes more friction than people like to believe because you get Mr. Cat One Racer guy wants to go out there and shred the road up and he's the best in the world versus someone else on his team who may have been brought on through a buddy or something that's more of a recreational rider but's pretty strong. And his goal is, hey, man, I'm doing the best I can and I just want to get there in nine days or 12 days. And those two attitudes don't really mesh that well. How about crew and I bring these up because you see it every year. What is a signal where someone who's on the crew should be removed from the team? And I had one back in 2000 that we should have removed in Portland, and it would have removed a lot of problems down the road. Yeah, generally, you know, I, I kind of look at Ram. It's a team sport. Even if you're a solo, it's a team, and it really is a team sport. There may only be one person on a bike, but you have the rest of this team operating together. And I think you see it a lot in, you know, we'll just take NFL football or something like that, where you have a player who may be really talented, but they're so poisoned to the team, their talent doesn't matter. And I think a guy maybe like Jeff George, who had a cannon for an arm, but was just a horrible teammate, could never find a home. And and so I think when you start to see that in your team, when it's no longer – a cohesive unit and again you're going to have a little friction you're going to have some emotional ups and downs but if you have someone who is really poisoned to that team like they are so focused on one thing or themselves and their needs and no one else's needs and not the racers needs it's probably time to go home again not trying to be negative here just want to bring up some things that people really don't talk about or i mean you never imagine things going wrong with your team no, and, and, you know, it's not negative, George. It's really just a kind of a preparation thing. And, and Ram, not just Ram, but pretty much every long-distance event. I don't care. Take your pick, you know, your RAO that you run, Natchez Trace, No Country for Old Men, any of the Ram qualifiers. These These events are unique in their own way. And so having all these aspects of preparation, crew dynamics, while Ram brings it out in a much longer and extended sense – it happens at every event, and they're not, they're not negative. They're realities of being on the road, and they, don't, they aren't the type of thing that you see at your local crit race, your Ironman triathlon. Ironman athletes are very talented. It's a max of 17 hours. That's not even the first day of RAM. So most people don't get to experience these things, and what we, again, our hope is to kind of smooth some of this out and to get people to be prepared for it. And again, we address it in our seminars a lot saying, we're not here to answer all your questions because we can't, because there's too many different aspects of them. What we want to do is get you prepared for when something arises, you go, oh, right, let me think about that for a second before I do something stupid. I'm at, yeah, I'm bringing a lot of these up because I do see them at RAO where, I mean, it's a 500-mile event and you see crew meltdown. Oh, yeah. I, I can't even begin to explain what you see at some of the events. And I am absolutely shocked at how 
loose people take it. And, you know, most, again, the athletes are all good athletes. It's not a question of that. It's, it's, you know, you're not rolling out to the, you know, the beautiful Boulder Boulder, which we just had here, which is a 10K. You're not rolling up and lacing on your shoes and running a 10K in your town. These are fairly complicated events in the sense that there are moving parts to them. And, and you want to show up prepared. And Ram brings out all of that. And it brings it out to a scale like no other. We're uh, less than a week out of you driving off to Oceanside. Anything else you want to say to our audience? You know, really just, you know, if you're racing, come prepared. It really will save you and us a lot of a lot of headache when you get there and time and energy. You know, if you're spectating, we hope you sit back and enjoy everything we produce for you. We do our best. Um, maybe we'll address that sometime in the near future. But, you know, we're coming down to our final tasks list to get out of here i load the trailer on saturday and i am on the road wednesday so now's the time it's time to have some fun we hope i've got one more race simulation coming up on sunday and uh hopefully we'll be able to get together again on monday or tuesday i think so all right race across america radio here in boulder colorado with rick bothling executive director i'm george thomas thanks george